1: Conversations on life, style, beauty,
2: and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge Podcast with Kelly Henderson. Okay, Ricky Close is here. Relationship writer. I actually found you via Instagram. I've been following you and stalking you for quite some time. <laughs> so oh, it's I always nice. Yeah, it's nice <laughs> to actually connect with the people that you feel like you know because you follow mm-hmm. them on Instagram. But you have um your Instagram is Anxious Hearts Guide. Where you give insight and tips on anxious and avoidant attachment styles. You also speak from personal experience. And I love hearing about your relationship. Before we get started, I just wanted to... I I feel like I said this to you before the podcast, but I feel like most people these days in 2023 have heard about attachment styles. Like if you open Instagram, I feel like it's everywhere. And so maybe they have some surface level (laughs) understanding, but... Could you kind of just address like what attachment styles are, what the different ones are, and kind of give us a basic foundation for each one before we get into this conversation?
3: Yeah, let's do that. Um, I think it's a very hot topic right now. So you do see it floating around all over Instagram. But um, one of the dangers of that is that um, everybody has kind of this surface level understanding of it. Everybody's trying to diagnose themselves or their partners. Um, So... Hopefully the listeners today can get a sense of a, a big, bigger understanding for what attachment theory is and what it does and what it describes, and um, maybe also what it doesn't do. I think there's we're missing a lot of that on Instagram. So. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes me excited. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, <clears throat> attachment theory is how psychologists describe sets of behaviors that we tend to engage in in intimate relationships when we're trying to seek safety. So, so just from that right there, I want everybody to understand that this is not like your hardwired personality type. And I think that's one of the biggest myths out there on Instagram is like, if you see the characteristics of an anxious attacher or, or if you see the characteristics of an avoidant attacher, and that sounds like your partner, these aren't like hardwired things that we can't find our way out of Mm, and it seems like there's a lot of misunderstanding there and it makes me so sad there's a lot of hopelessness too like i if somebody identifies as an anxious attacher and they see the bullet points saying clingy and desperate and they're like ah that's who i am and that's who i'll always be and they start to view their partner as this person who's always distancing too um yeah let's squash that myth today here on this episode okay um we're describing sets of behaviors that we tend okay. to engage in that we can kind of train ourselves out of. I so love that's that.
2: Hopeful. <laughs> yeah. I love that hope because I, and I actually think that's what I, what I, what it's kind of mentioning. Like I've been stalking your page for a long time. I think that mm-hmm. is what I see is mm-hmm. this like, oh, good. oh yeah. Because I told you, like I've done some work around this stuff and mm-hmm. it, it, when you start diving into it, you're like, Oh, I'm just trying to get safe. And for whatever reason, something happened along my (laughs) journey that kind of tricked my brain into thinking, you know, I'm not safe. And so I'm having, I'm bringing that into this relationship. So there's a couple (laughs) ways that you've mentioned so far is anxious and avoidant. So are those the two main attacks? Those are the two.
3: Well, you know what? Um, Let's go into the different styles. There's actually three main styles. And honestly, um, secure attachers are supposed to be the biggest group. Um, So we've got, isn't that wild? Well, I said this before to
2: someone, I'm like, someone told me it was like 50% of people are secure attachers. And I was like, where are they though? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what?
3: (laughs) Totally. Secure attachers tend to partner up pretty young. Those are the people who are splitting off in their twenties, like getting married, getting married young and having pretty stable, pretty normal looking, safe feeling relationships. Um, so we're not, um, I'm in my thirties. We're not encountering lots of those people in the dating field in our thirties because they've widely paired off. Um, yeah, the, the research shows it's roughly 50%. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the secure attachers. These people are comfortable with closeness. Uh, relationships feel kind of easy for them. They're not scary, unsafe places. They experienced closeness with their parents and in early romantic experiences that made them view relationships as feeling safe and nurturing and healthy and predictable. So they're not spinning their wheels trying to figure out why someone said something because Mm -hmm. in their mind a relationship's kind of a safe place and if it starts to feel like an unsafe place they're they're probably going to set some boundaries down or exit the relationship if it's not working for them. Mm-hmm. That's the dream, right? Um you <laughs> and me and maybe lots of people listening to this are like, wow, that is not my experience. No. <laughs> um so I guess first I'm probably going to talk about avoidant attachers a little bit. Okay. Um if you're watching a movie And it seems like one person's chasing and one person's desperately trying to get away and maintain their independence. Mm -hmm. That would be an avoidantly attached person, probably. Uh, These people tend to find safety in themselves. They might Mm -hmm. describe themselves as a lone wolf or they're like fiercely independent. They're kind of afraid to ask for help. They have a generally negative view of relationships because in their experience, relationships are places where they have not been able to get their needs met People are unreliable. In their experience, the only way to feel safety is in themselves.
2: Mm. Their
3: core fear is a fear of closeness. So so their big goal is to when 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 the stuff hits the fan, avoidant attachers are gonna distance and mm. try to calm themselves and just try to take care of business themselves because people let them down. That's their that's their worldview. Okay. Um, which might describe maybe the people that you've tried to have romantic relationships with every boyfriend i've ever had. all of them yeah okay same same right yeah yeah. maybe not there's like one
2: i can think of who wasn't but yeah everyone else Mm -hmm. awesome okay and i
3: awesome awesome it's a terrible (laughs) experience awesome because i can relate to that right yes yes Um, yes avoidant attachers are like they're like um the my kryptonite like i can't stay away from them Mm -hmm. um I actually admire a lot how independent they are and, and they, I don't know, they just seem omnipotent, like they can do anything they want. And there's something really appealing for that, um, to anxious attachers, which is, which is how I relate. Um, and probably you from the sound of it. Mm -hmm. So an anxious attacher is somebody who only seems to find safety in other people. Um, we lack self-trust, we're very nervous and afraid that people are going to abandon us. Um, and this comes, unfortunately, when we're really young from kind of inconsistent care or what we perceive as inconsistent care. Um, we might have noticed that our parents were very close and loving and then they were gone. So in our mind, the only way to stay safe is to be constantly looking out for signs that they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um we might have felt abandoned by a romantic relationship when we're when we're young in our first romantic relationships. It can come from that place, too. Um, so, yeah, our way of finding safety is become becoming hyper vigilant, looking for signs of abandonment and trying to stay ahead of those. Also, maybe taking ourselves and putting ourselves and our needs aside so that we can just be Johnny on the spot for our significant other, you know, doing whatever they need to feel safe and important mm-hmm. and loved. Um, because we're protecting ourselves against our core fear of abandonment.
2: Okay. Sounds familiar.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and I know that when I first learned about all this stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, that's 100% me and I'm doomed. Like that's what I thought. I was like, my only prayer is to find somebody who's secure and very comfortable with closeness so that they can give me all the closeness that I've been missing from these people who are running away from me. Um, and I think a lot of people think that I get a lot of comments on the page from people going like, "Ah, screw avoidance! I don't ever want to talk to them right. again. I only want someone who's secure, or maybe another anxious person, so that we can just live in our little burrito cocoon and never leave each other." Um, and it and those comments make me really sad too. Um, why do they make if, you sad? If avoidance are doomed and not worthy of being loved. So we're anxious because right. we're two sides of the same coin. Right. So well, honestly, go yeah, answer. go ahead. No, well, I'm just going to say, let's now.
2: talk a little bit about that because obviously most people that I see doing this kind of work, including me, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's interesting because I do feel like I'm moving into a more secure attachment style. Cool. Like, yeah. And we can get into that a little bit later, but um, mm-hmm. I just feel like most people who talk about this have had some personal experience with it. Like, you know, there, you see therapists, some doing it, but most of them too, mm-hmm. will say like, this was me back in the day or whatever. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I kind of want to give listeners a little background into your story. If you're open oh, sure. to doing that and just like yeah. what your relationships looks like, because I think then we can talk about what your relationship is now and maybe the difference. Absolutely. In, in those dynamics.
3: Cool. Okay. And I always try to tell this story these, this the story as if the other people in it are listening like i want to okay. be really compassionate yes. and kind about yes. everyone who's involved here yes um so i got married very young okay and um my marriage was pretty good until the end when it was less good um and we really we really got into that pursuer distancer dynamic yeah. like in a big way um and i love psychology i always have so I started reading a lot to try to figure out what was going on with us, it's and such I stumbled. an Anxious move. It's such it an anxious move. No, it's, it's our like way to try classic, to control it. I know. Mm-hmm, it is. I was like yes. grasping for straws there. Yeah. Um, I stumbled on attachment theory, and I even showed it to my ex-husband. I was like, "Check this out. There's this dynamic where somebody's always trying to get close, and the other person's always trying to get away." Yeah. And even when he saw it, he was like, "Oh my God, that's us. That's exactly what we're going through." But unfortunately, the main book that I was looking at at that time was Attached. And don't get me wrong. I love Attached. It's a wonderful book. But there's no hope in Attached. Attached is like you are this, you are this, and these people suck together. They are not going to have any kind of healthy thing. Um, and I don't believe that at all now. The the author, uh, Levine, he's even gone on to say, I wish that I hadn't written it that way. I know there are so many divorces and breakups because of the way that I presented this information. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was so glad when he put that out there. But I was like, the damage is already done. That Your book's right. one of the reasons I got divorced. Right. Um, So we did end up splitting up because we didn't, even with couples counseling, we didn't have any hope that we could change this dynamic. Um, So then there I am, uh, early 30s, thrown back into the dating field, which was so weird because the last time I dated before that was like the early 2000s. It was like a dating on a different planet. And I end up meeting my current partner now, Chris. Um, Even though I was doing so much research because I just loved attachment theory. I couldn't stop reading about it. Um, I found myself a super attractive and very interesting raging avoidant. And that was,
2: <laughs> that was Chris. It's like and magnets though. Right. It, it it's was, like it put, was it's in a whole party and you put two no. people with these deta- like active attachment styles in a room mm-hmm. with a million other people. They'll find each other. It's just yeah. the way it works.
3: No, he had he had like a glowing aura around yeah. him when I saw him. I was like, that's the one I want. There he is. Um, yeah, I I was still very embroiled in my anxious attachment even though I knew what it was. I wasn't far enough into my work that I was really finding my way out of it yet. Yeah. So um, I started dating him and we went immediately into this like hardcore pursuer, distancer dynamic, like even worse than in my marriage. And that's not to say that we had a bad relationship, but like all the classic things, Mm -hmm. um, me texting too much, me looking for a relationship label way too soon me wanting to know all of his romantic history so that I could figure out ways that I wouldn't mess up and, and him working too much, dodging my phone calls going out of town and not saying goodbye and not, you know, giving me any heads up about where he was. Um, we were a mess, like yeah. a mess, a mess. Yeah. Um, And we kept kind of being a mess and, and breaking up and coming back together never more than a day people always ask that like oh did you ever split up for three months no we would have a a fight or an argument and we would say well that's it we just suck together we're in our 30s we're not going to waste our time and then 24 hours would go by and we would call again and be like this is dumb i don't want to not be with you i just don't want to have this argument um so instead of instead of sitting him down and going, you're an avoidant. And here's all the things that you need to do. I knew from my reading how bad that was. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to spend the next like solid year working on myself, working on these things, reading all the books, relating to the topics within anxious attachment um, and seeing if I could do anything about that. Uh, Because when we can change our own side of the dynamic, it changes the entire atmosphere Mm -hmm. of the relationship. And I thought, I don't want to leave this guy. I'm not ready for that. So I'm just going to work on myself and see what happens. And I got to tell you, a year and a half in to this work, he came to me and he sat down and he said, I don't know what's going on, but you're a completely different person than the person I met in the best way. And I want in. He's like, I don't know what you're doing with your time and you're in all this weird reading, but like you're so calm and and it feels so safe talking to you now and and you're not up and down with all your emotions. He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but let's do it. I, I want to figure out what's going on too. And then he started reading books with me and he would have talks with me about the relationship. Um, So hopefully, hopefully that's very hopeful for people. He was the the avoidantest of the avoidant that I've (laughs) ever met. (laughs) Yeah, and and just by making myself a safe place to land, someone to talk to who's not accusing him of things, or honestly, my reading about avoidant attachment helped a lot too, because then I was able to take the things that he was doing 100% less personally.
2: If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect.
1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: Well, you just hit the big nail on the head because I think, as a person who's been anxious in certain relationships, and and mm-hmm. to me, what I'm also looking at now is like, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I don't feel anxious in all my relationships, and so it was like, sure, starting to kind of recognize when it comes up for me, and mm-hmm. it's typically like when there's an avoidant on the other side of that dynamic, it'll just happen. And so if I'm unaware, then I'm kind of just operating this constant trigger. But I Mm -hmm. like what you said Mm -hmm. about not personalizing it because the more I've learned about avoidant behavior too, I'm like, oh, it's their way to get to safety. Like where I want to go connect and I want to talk it through and I just want to get to the other side of it and know that we're good. They need to like retreat. And so it's that finding that balance um, but I want to also ask, cause I, I feel like the thing that I struggle with the most in this is just the fine line between staying with yourself and not mm-hmm. abandoning your own needs versus totally. like being able to show up and respect another person's mm-hmm. needs as well. which love that
3: so different.
2: So can yeah. you help oh, us start, yeah. start that
3: navigation? Let's do it. Um, let's, let's pick a really concrete example. Um, okay. Let's pick. So my partner, he loves to travel and he loves little adventures. And sometimes his adventures oh, he's also very spontaneous. So sometimes okay. he doesn't plan his adventures out. He just gets it in his head that he's gonna go do something. Um especially if things are getting uncomfortable between us mm-hmm. too. Those are the best times mm-hmm. for him to adventure, right? Because that's okay. how he gets his distance. Yeah. Um so I knew that if things were getting, especially if they were really good, you know, like if we spent the whole weekend cuddling, that would be like a signal for his brain to get get the heck yeah, out of Dodge. what
2: is that? I'm like, <laughs> the second I start to feel good, where did you go? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> okay, so let's, let's say that. We've spent the entire weekend all snuggled up and it yeah. feels really great. We've been talking about our feelings, right? Oh yes. man, nothing triggers them more yes. than that. Oh God. Um, so then- <laughs> And then Monday rolls around and his brain is like, get some distance, right? So, knowing a little bit about avoidant attachment, I figured it was coming, right? Like, all right, this was a good weekend. He's going to want some distance now. Um, And I can, if I call him on Monday and I'm like, hey, wasn't that a great weekend? Yeah, it was. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I'm just packing my stuff. I'm heading out. It's like, cool. (laughs) It's like, hey, I love that you are getting out doing something that you love. Like that is so you like go have an adventure. But, um, and this is really scary. Brace yourselves, anxious hearts. This is not going to be fun to hear. I I had to learn to set boundaries with him. Like, like the moment you start feeling like you need to jet and take some adventure. If you want to be with me and you want me to be happy. And I think you do. You got to tell me like, I I can't be somebody who just calls you and you're gone for three days all of a sudden. And I was like, if that's what you want to do, if that's like who you are and who you want to be like, I'm okay with that, but it's not going to work for me in a romantic relationship. We'll be platonic buddies or nothing at all. If that's how it is. Like if you want me as your romantic partner, you just got to do that. And that's scary because a lot of people are listening to this going, crap, I might have to let this person go. Cause they Mm. might make the decision that they're like, nah, I don't want to check in with someone, you know, I don't want to I don't want to compromise and listen to somebody's boundaries, but honestly, like I'm telling you, I I hate to sound callous, but you don't, you don't want to be with somebody who doesn't care about making you feel safe in a relationship or maybe you don't want to, you can't, it's not sustainable. I
2: think that's Mm -hmm. exactly right. Well, I love the idea of the boundary setting because Mm -hmm. that sort of, that hits on the line that I was talking about because totally. Like I hear what you're saying and it's like, okay, he would jet off and leave and mm-hmm. that would be really hurtful and weird and give me kind of anxiety. Yeah. It also feels different than like if he was, if y'all got really close to, so he was like, oh, I got to go like cheat or something, which I, I've i been oh, in situations. Oh, that's different. And, yeah. yeah okay. There's there's definitely lines. Yeah. And I mean, that was an extreme example maybe, but like, sure. you, know, you know, not really though. Not really. A lot think of a lot avoidance. of people listening who, yeah. um- mm-hmm.
3: Um, unfortunately, oh, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but, um, (laughs) Sometimes avoidance are more likely to cheat because they're yeah. desperate to get that distance, and sometimes inserting another person into the situation is like an excellent way to do that. So it's just a wall, yeah,
2: it's a wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: But so that um, could be
2: a boundary too, though. That's like a no. It
3: totally is deal breaker yeah. for me. Yeah. Yes, as anxious attachers or even secure attachers, we have to be sure of what our wa- what our boundary is mm-hmm. and be willing to let somebody go who who can't fulfill that. If you are somebody who needs a message every day or a phone call every day and somebody is not willing to do that, we have to be willing to let that person go. If it's somebody who's not willing to give their little side partners up, we have to be willing to let that person go. If it's someone who's married, who's not willing to get divorced to be with you, you have to be willing to let that person go. Well, and the crazy
2: thing is, is as I hear you say that, I would imagine Mm -hmm. a secure attacher would be like, duh. duh. Isn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, and I can relate to that now. Like, this is how mm-hmm. I know I've grown in my life, is because that is how I date now. Yes. Good. Um, thank you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's taken me really addressing why I was so scared to say, yeah. What Like, looking at, well, what happens to me if they go? Like, that was something that I couldn't even get oh. to that question within yes. myself because it would just ignite my nervous system so much at the thought of them leaving, even totally. though the relationship could be terrible, like, yeah. not good for yeah. me. Like, I was miserable. But right. it, the idea of them leaving felt so scary to me that i was like no we can work through this or like i can read yeah. another book or you know I can okay do let's more therapy yeah
3: go ahead. <laughs> go ahead go ahead let's dive into that too okay. so so the fear um the fear for anxious attachers is that if we've got so much of our self-worth and our identity tied up in that person right that if they leave we're gone i always relate it to somebody who um I relate the anxious attachers to someone who can't swim. Like okay. we're all hanging out in this ocean together, but the anxious attachers can't swim. We're we're holding on to people who we believe can swim. And if they swim away from us, we're drowning. Mm. People are our lifeboats. And um, that's why we do anything that we can to keep holding on to them because we literally feel like we may die if they if they leave us, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: or at least are. Our- who we think we are will die. And yeah. that's terrifying. So I talk about this a lot in my book. Um, our our salvation here is learning how to swim. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that we learn how to swim is that we spend a lot of time and energy building up an identity for ourselves that's separate from anybody else. Um, okay. That might ring true for you in your work mm-hmm. on codependency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, self-worth is, that's tough to talk about, but some concrete examples of ways that we build up self worth are um, exercise. Exercise is a fantastic way um, to spend a little bit of time every day, showing ourselves that we are worth working on. Right? I just love it because it's concrete, and you get you get to see actual yeah. results from it. So that part's nice. Self um, self worth work could be spending extra time with friends and family, people that we're sure care about us. They feel great to be around. Um, they, they care about, we know that they have our best interests at heart. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's Mm -hmm. nice. Um, it can also be the work that we do, um, journaling, like looking into ourselves. I always mention journaling, but if you're not a journaler, you can draw pictures, anything that you can do to ask yourself, what do I like? What Mm -hmm. do I need? What things feel good? What things don't feel good? Um, Figuring out, like kind of meeting yourself and figuring out who you are gives yourself a very solid identity and all those things help us swim so that if somebody else does decide to leave us, we know that we're still there treading water and we're okay.
2: Yeah. I don't know if you relate to this, but one of the main things that has helped me um, in the past couple of years is just realizing that I was getting into these relationships so focused on not being abandoned by my Mm -hmm. partner, but not realizing that the whole time I was abandoning myself. And so like my, I was asking someone else to do for me something I wasn't willing or capable of doing for myself. Mm -hmm. And so the Mm -hmm. more that I've started to heal my personal relationship with myself and actually pay attention to myself, like Not just go out and try to seek it through even work. I can find different activities to kind of like find my worth in. Um, But actually just like sitting with myself, asking myself what I mean, what I need like literally giving myself a hug that I do this yeah. every morning. Like I'd give myself I love a that. hug and say,
3: I love that. I started doing that too. How awkward was it at first? Oh my right? God. Like, I'm hugging like, myself. Is, I feel so lame. <laughs> it
2: was, but I don't know if you yeah. feel this the second I do it, it's like, I get tingles in my gut. Like oh, it's like it my now. body just mm-hmm. wants to be acknowledged, you know? Yeah. And so the more I fill up in those ways, which sound would mm-hmm. sound so frustrating to me back in the day when people would be like, oh, well, your yeah. self-worth is just low. I'm like, whatever. I like, yeah. Well or also
3: how do I fix that? Right. <laughs> exactly.
2: Like I didn't really realize the broken relationship with myself. And mm-hmm. so anyway, the more that I've done that, the less weight relationships in general even have on my life. Yes. Like yeah, I can kind of let people ebb and flow or in relationship so far, mm-hmm. like that I've been dating again. It's like great people come in, but I do have a very, like if, this is what I need. And if you can't do this, not in a harsh way at all, totally in a very like loving mm-hmm. the most surrendered way I've ever done it. And yeah, um, it's been interesting because people can kind of come in and out and I can respect their journey as well.
3: Yeah. Isn't that
2: freeing? Oh! It's so, suffering. oh my God, the amount of time. Like, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to touch on is, if you're listening and you're like, "Oh, I'm not codependent," because like that sounds pathetic. It, like to oh. me, anxious attachers sound desperate sometimes, and we are, yeah. but it's not like a person. Like, it doesn't look like what you necessarily would think it would look
3: like. Like, it totally doesn't. The time totally. that it, was, I'm telling you, yeah, go ahead. Like the the folks who I knew in my life outside of my relationship were like oh, Ricky, you're, a, you're such a caring person. You're so great. Like clearly everybody that you're with are jerks. That's what's going exactly. on. exactly. Right. Like yeah. they couldn't even see inside of it, how I didn't have any hobbies. I didn't have right. any desires or preferences. So it's like in their mind, like that person's a jerk for not wanting to do the few little things that you like and want. But I was like, I wasn't telling all those people, like, I'm not telling my person About anything that I want or need at all, you know.
2: Yeah. So you're not
3: asking for your
2: needs at all, but Mm -hmm. you're expecting them to
3: meet them. Mm -hmm. Got it. Right. Yeah. And then being resentful when they Uh don't, and they don't Uh even know about it. Yeah. Right. Um. That felt like kind of a tangent, but um. It was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. (laughs) We got a little off topic there.
2: (laughs) Um. Well, I want to talk a little bit about because anxious attachers I do find will like the way one of the ways I used to self-soothe was like I'm gonna get the most information that I possibly mm-hmm. can about this And you mentioned yep. at the beginning of the podcast um that it's really important not to just go to someone and be like, well, you're avoidant
3: clearly like, so. it's incredibly important you will you will push that person faster you will push them away faster than if you send them 30 texts in a row. If you're okay. sitting them down and tell hey, and I did this to Chris, my poor partner. I did, <laughs> I did at my worst time sit him down and go, I know exactly what's wrong with you and exactly right. what you need to do to fix it. And if you want to be with me, you should fix that thing. You can bet I did not get to hang out with him a lot after that. He was like, do I even like this person who's yeah. telling me all the things that are wrong with me?
2: Okay. So it's, that's why it's cause it just feels like you're telling someone. Oh yeah. It's so yeah. interesting. Cause in my head, if I was ever doing that, the only motivation for me is to save the relationship. I'm like, Oh, for sure. It like, was I don't get me I'm wrong. Like,
3: yes, yeah. I I, I, I didn't feel like good. I was criticizing him. I was right. like, I'm here to save you, you know, right. but to him, he was like, Holy cow. Thanks for telling me all the ways I'm defective. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, and, and honestly, I try to tell people too, how would you like it if you in a in a in a state where you're not feeling very self-aware had mm-hmm. somebody sit you down and say I've pinpointed exactly what's wrong with you and why you're unlovable and here are all the things that you need to do to make someone love you like yeah that would suck. feel very good No it doesn't feel good at all
0: This is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global
1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution. Great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. C Y M B I O T I K A dot com.
2: We have words every month on the podcast That's kind of the themes. And our word this month is metamorphosis. So, mm-hmm. you know, that obviously just to me looks like evolution, change, what you can grow into. And, um, I like that topic with this topic, kind of like what you said Mm -hmm. at the beginning of just like finding the hope in this and that it can happen. So let's move into that a little bit about just kind of how we can, if we do identify with either anxious or avoidant, Mm -hmm. how we can move into more secure attachment and maybe some tips, um, or just even like what the journey looks like. Cause I know it's cool. not good every day, right? I know you guys have it's figured certainly out not a workable yeah. situation, but maybe mm-hmm. talk through some of the tools that really help you in your relationship.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, so finding finding the self and diving into yourself is it's scary work for anxious attachers because um we worry that any time that we turn the focus back to ourselves we're creating disconnect between Mm -hmm. ourselves and our partner. Um, And that's, it's, it's strangely the opposite. I hate to say that too, because I like, I know I'm losing people right now. Um, The time that I spend in my room working on my journaling is time that I'm not texting my partner. It's time that I'm not nagging him for more, for more togetherness. And so not only am I building up my own identity, it was lacking um, it gives him time to miss me Mm. and that's the kind of thing that makes him initiate that's when I get the phone call like hey you want to go hiking hey I've been thinking about you Um, so the time that we spend nurturing ourselves and building our own identity is time that actually brings an avoidant type partner it makes them feel safer to approach us Um, and I know not everybody here is probably paired with an avoidant type um, but it works the same for our secure partners too um, anxious hearts can tend to overwhelm secure partners as well. So anything that we do, like, okay, I'm going to join a new gym and make a commitment to do that every Tuesday. Um, that time on Tuesday where we're doing our own thing is it's safety building with our partner. Mm-hmm. They can see that we're our own person. And that builds a little bit of intrigue and curiosity and makes them want to approach us and come close and feel safe to do that. We're not the drowning person anymore no. who's looking at people as lifeboats. We're we're sitting swimming on our own and it makes other people feel good and safe to come close.
2: So this is where I hear that fine line thing again, though. And I just it just dawned on me of like, okay, well, mm-hmm. this is where you would set boundaries. Cause doing that, focusing on yourself. Mm-hmm. And actually having the intention to connect with yourself, because I also can be guilty or was guilty in the past of being like, I'm gonna go do this and see if it makes him
3: <laughs> to uh, come to me more. Oh, you know what I, I mean? See. Yes, yes. Um, okay, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It cannot be a tactic to bring somebody close. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give everybody hope that like you're worried about the disconnect, but that's actually the kind of thing that makes people feel safer to come close. If your intention is to do it, to bring, to, to make them come closer, they will feel that they will smell it like a dog. (laughs) Right. And it It won't work. (laughs) Mm -mm, No. So make sure that the thing that you're doing is not purposely try, look how independent I am. I don't need you. Can't right be like that it's got to okay. be a genuine a desire to connect with yourself
2: and for me yes for me it's a surrender too it's like stop oh, totally. trying to think that the only way you can find peace in this world is if this partner comes to you right this minute yeah. in the way you want him to and it, at the exact time like i think mm-hmm. then you do miss out on the the good stuff in relationships a lot of times totally but then so what if um for instance like i have a friend in a situation where she is a big texter and wants to text Mm -hmm. more and so Mm -hmm. her needs are not necessarily getting met with her avoidant partner. And it's similar to what you said earlier. You're mad, you're resentful, you're whatever. So Mm -hmm. how, what is a good way to ask for what you need? Like I've suggested, like it would really mean a lot to me to connect Mm -hmm. in the morning and before we go to bed or something like Mm -hmm. be specific, but do you have any input on that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, I totally do. Um, Directness and vulnerability are the two tools that you want when you're trying to make what feels like a difficult ask to your partner. Um, Directness, meaning we don't want any hinting. We don't want you asking for less than what you actually want. Figure out exactly like your friend would figure out exactly what kind of frequency of texting would feel good to her. And she needs to be super direct about that. Yeah. Um, Instead of just this is exactly what I need because that might not be received well either. Um, vulnerability can cushion that blow a little bit too. Okay, hey, it feels it feels like kind of kind of unsafe and cruddy for me when I, when my phone is just sitting there, there's no message. I know that you're able to text me. Like sometimes that makes me feel afraid. And it also makes me wonder like, man, is this the kind of relationship that's going to feel good for me long-term? Mm. I know that you want that for me because you clearly care about me. So what do you think about a texting frequency you know, of this, what, what do you think? How would that work for you? Get curious about their situation too. Maybe there's a reason that they don't, that they don't text that much. That's different from just, they hate you and don't want you to get your needs met, you know? So let's add curiosity into that directness, vulnerability, and curiosity Curiosity. are your tools for those difficult asks.
2: How important is it for you and your partner to have, to equally have awareness about your own attachment styles because yeah like zero in your, percent. what do you wait <laughs> it's, how
3: it's zero it's percent important for us to have anywhere close to the same yeah I just I just had to interject with that yeah um, what do you tell me I yeah I think a lot of people think um this stuff's not going to work unless both of us know exactly what's up and we're both putting the exact same effort okay um I want to say I mean, especially with the work that I do, I'm focusing on this stuff like 90% of the time, right. like way more than normal people are focusing on this stuff. My partner gets exposed to it a lot because of what I do, but I would say he's at like a 10 or a 15% work level with this stuff. It's very low. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think if you like attachment theory, if you like the idea of self-work, that is awesome strap on your your diving cap and dive in as deep as you want um you don't need to expect your partner to do the same thing because your work in that atmosphere your work in that area is going to change the atmosphere of the relationship and if it doesn't it you might be with the wrong person okay because that My partner doesn't know very much at all about attachment theory, but he does care about the things that I need and want. So when I express those, he's pretty darn good about about listening.
2: Yeah. So when you're expressing your needs, your boundaries, and you're staying Mm -hmm. curious and all the things you've already told us, you're finding that you're getting a positive response.
3: Yes. And and that doesn't mean that he does those things. Okay. Um, my so that okay that's good like let's set up some realistic expectations for people my partner does not text it's not a thing for him doesn't like it he's he's over 40 he hates technology right (laughs) it's not gonna happen and he told me that very early in the relationship just like I hate texting that's something you got to know about me right up front um so sometimes so if I were to come to him four years in I, I could. I could come to him and say, Look, Chris, I really want more texting between us. That would feel so good for me. Sometimes I feel the same script. Sometimes I feel alone when there's no text right. coming in, right? Um it doesn't mean that he abandons who he is, which is someone who hates technology and and is very confident that they want nothing to do with it. um the the compromise there is that he takes my hand and he says, I know that that's something that you care about, but babe, that's not who I am. Like, is there something else that I can do for you that would make you feel great? Because he's like, and we've had this exact conversation. He's like, I love phone calls. He's like, I'm a phone call guy. He's like, I'm not going to be texting you heart emojis. He's like, that's not what I do. But if I'm thinking about you during the day, would it work if I gave you a phone call and just said, hey, babe, I'm thinking about you right now? And I was like, you know what? Let's try that. Because I'm very texty. I yeah. love texting. Yeah. Um. And I said, let's try that. Let's see if that works. And now it's been four years and I've gotten like, you know, I can count how many texts I've gotten from him. <laughs> <laughs> but man, that man calls me constantly. And that's our that's our compromise. So sometimes you don't get exactly what you want. But if you have a good partner, they do care about you feeling like the needs being met you know well
2: that's what I was gonna say I heard so much of that because really I don't know that so much of like it's probably not about actually about the texting it's about what it's it totally you not feel to- exactly that that's not happening and so when yes he, his response that you just gave to mm-hmm. me immediately my nervous system would be like okay he hears me I feel, totally. seen, mm-hmm. I feel safe and yeah I can be flexible about the ways Mm -hmm. that I'm getting things. It's just like the
3: bigger picture of am I seen, am I heard, am I safe? Totally. So your friend who feels like she's not getting enough texting, there's a need beneath that. Like nobody's going to die if they don't get texts. She's got to figure out what the need beneath that is. And perhaps there's a different way that they can work together as a team to get that need met.
2: Mm Mm-hmm even it's maybe even acknowledging what he is doing. Too, yeah. You know, like, oh, totally. Like you know you said, that getting I wasn't the call. Yeah. yeah. Like,
3: you know, I wasn't thinking about all his phone calls. I whoa. was just asking for more texting, even though this is, this is a dude who calls every single morning, every single night, right. and usually in the afternoon too. And right. I was like, where are my heart emoji texts? Exactly. You know? <laughs> and you're so focused on
2: that thing. Mm-hmm. Like when we get triggered, we get so focused on the thing we're not getting that you can't yep. see
3: all the good that you are. Right. Or because the, the thing he's we're he's not getting... It. Yeah, sorry. I totally am all fired no, up now. go. It's because the thing that we're not getting is proof to us that they don't care yes. about us, you know? But that's our own that's, narrative, right? It's exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just finding the.
2: I feel like sometimes my way of making myself safe is being hyper vigilant. And so
1: mm-hmm,
2: it's mm-hmm. like, I'll have a narrative. He doesn't actually care about me. And then the yeah. less, the little text that I get or whatever, I'm like, see, I knew it. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and so then yeah. you miss all the other ways that you are getting... Totally, probably met. So, do you
3: want to hear one weird thing that I did? Of Um, course, I do. (laughs) Yeah, in my, (laughs) in my, in my year where I was like, screw it, I'm just gonna work on this myself. Yeah, I, I pulled up the notes app on my phone, and every single day, if I noticed him doing anything that I could even remotely interpret as kind or loving, I wrote it down. I didn't write down the bad things. I just wrote down the good things. Okay. And in the moments where I was like. Dang it, I don't even like this guy. He doesn't text me. Like I would tell myself stuff like that. I would pull open that notes app and it would be like, Chris made me tea this morning without me asking. Chris called me four times this morning because he found something cool and wanted to tell me about it. Um, and then it really helped bring it into perspective. I was like, yes. I'm looking for way reasons that he doesn't care about me when he shows me constantly that he mm-hmm. does. Oh, I love that. So
2: writing down was the very good helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's a really good tip well also we have the book it's called anxious hearts guides anxious yeah. hearts guides yeah guide, guide. yeah <laughs> one s okay there's a lot of s i didn't realize this
3: <laughs> yeah i didn't realize it was a tongue twister it yeah a anxious bit. hearts guide is, and then, is me
2: that's mm-hmm. you and then there's a workbook the 21 day anxious attachment challenge yeah. is it a workbook
3: it's um yeah it's kind of a workbook it's okay. 21 chapters and every single chapter is only like two or three pages. Um, the chapters you take it day by day. So every okay. day you read like two pages, each one addresses some aspect of anxious attachment.
2: Okay. And um
3: I just love those 21-day challenges cuz they're like little bite-sized ways to work on a different a different mm-hmm. thing every day. One of my favorites that I did was it was a 21-day um like self-love challenge. I think that's what it was called. And um man, it was just nice. To not have to focus on doing the same thing every day for 21 right. days, but something different every day that made me feel like, I'm, okay, I'm working on this thing.
2: Yeah. It and was fun like, to write. <laughs> um, I bet. And I was going to mm-hmm. also say, if you're one of the people listening that might you know, fit in that box that we were talking about, where you don't know what you, like, I remember when yeah. I first started doing my work on codependency, people would be like, well, what do you like to do? And I was like, literally, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm so yeah. out of touch with myself that I didn't even know the things that I enjoyed doing. So these kind of things mm-hmm. might be a good way to start navigating that. Even giving yourself yeah. this one little challenge each day is spending time with yourself. Yeah, you know I
3: mean? it totally is. It totally. Yeah. That's my. Um, that's why I'm so into journaling too, because it's oh, my bet. my half hour or so that I spend with myself during the yeah. day. Yeah, well, listening to my put, own thoughts.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put the link to both of those books in the description Thanks. of this podcast. Yeah. But what can people find in the Anxious Heart Guide? Anxious Hearts Guide. See, I did it. <laughs>
3: and maybe I need to rename it. It's <laughs> just saying all the S's, I think. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> um, in in my book, um, I spend the first, maybe third, talking about attachment, specifically anxious attachment too, um, just so that we can get a little more, a little more information we can have more awareness on okay I'm doing this thing and that's like a mm. very anxious thing yeah um, the middle part of the book uh really dives into self-work or uh, self-worth work and um building up our relationships with other people around us lots of things that have nothing to do with the romantic relationship because we're looking to build that self-trust with ourselves the main thing that anxious attachers mm. are lacking uh the last part of the book, actually talks about engaging in romantic relationships in healthier ways. So that's the closeness. Once you develop that sense of self, then you can move toward developing healthy closeness, which is also, I just want to say, all this talk is not to say, I want you to become somebody who doesn't need anybody else to swim, right? right? Like, I want you swimming, like holding hands with your person in the water, but you're still cool keeping yourself afloat with the rest of your limbs, right? Yes. Yeah. Closeness is, is wonderful. It's a beautiful, this is my favorite part of being alive, but, um, the universe can take away a person who's very committed to us and loving as well. So mm-hmm. we, we can't, we can't be somebody who can't swim alone because mm-hmm. sometimes the universe takes our person away, even if they want to be with us. Right. Yeah. I love that.
2: Mm-hmm. Where else can people find you? I'd mentioned your Instagram. Will you tell the people where that Yeah. Is?
3: I've been dabbling on TikTok, but I kind of oh. feel like I'm too old for it. I don't I really that. understand.
2: Yeah. I know. I get that. I yeah. get that.
3: Yeah. Honestly, um, Instagram's really where I live. Um, don't find me on TikTok. Come yeah. on, come on, Instagram. <laughs> really <Sorry> for it. <laughs> um, oh, I did just start a podcast with my buddy uh Jimmy. Amazing. Um, yeah, he's kind of blowing up. Uh Jimmy, Jimmy offers people advice uh, in marriage. Okay. Um but honestly, like it's just he's so funny. That's why he does so well on TikTok. I'm not funny, right? Yeah, TikTok
2: That's... is a whole different beast. It really <laughs> yeah. is. It really um, is.
3: But my my podcast is pretty cool. If if you Google Ricky and Jimmy on relationships, um okay. we're only like eight episodes in, so it's new, but we're okay. having a lot of fun with it. And I think I'm gonna be doing a lot more of that in the future.
2: Amazing. Well, I'll put that in the description as well. It's Ricky R I K K I for you guys. Yes. Ricky yeah. and Jimmy on relationships.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much. I know we had yeah. we
3: had, thanks we for tell
2: having the me. listeners. We had a couple um time difference issues oh my gosh. with our scheduling cuz Ricky's <laughs> in Alaska, which is so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, never, I've never had anyone on the podcast
3: from Alaska. So oh, cool! There time. aren't very really many yeah. of us up here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's statistics. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm I'm really glad that we could make it happen. This was really fun. Me too. You guys go check out Ricky Anxious Hearts Guide. Yeah, <laughs> and I
2: will put all of those links in the description of this podcast. Ricky, thank you so much again. Thanks. This was lovely. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh?
0: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country.